Hey, I'm Steve Folland. Welcome to another one. This episode of Being Freelance is brought to you by WithJack. They help keep you in business by supporting you financially or legally if you have problems with a client. Get the freelance insurance you deserve. With monthly plans and zero cancellation fees, a WithJack policy gives you complete control over your protection. Visit withjack.co.uk and be a confident freelancer. And right now, let's find out what it's like being freelance for PR consultant, Sharon Davis. Somebody was sat opposite me and they said that they they had a certain day rate, which was significantly higher than mine at the time. And I just looked at them and thought, if she can do it, I can do it. And from that day onwards, I quoted my day rate as that rate. Having a child has been good for me because it's forced me to look at my priorities, look at what I only I can do or what makes the business the business, which is, you know, the skill that I bring. And then what can I outsource to people who do it better than me anyway? The thought of being a mum just stuck in the middle of nowhere didn't fill me with much joy. So I decided to launch something called Dale's Business Women just to meet like-minded women so that I could grow through that as well. And in fact, that has now grown and that's now a business in and of itself. Yeah, so there is Sharon, her story coming up in a moment. And do you know what I just want to mention? It might seem weird plugging somebody else's podcast, but you know how at the beginning I mentioned that this podcast is supported by with jack for freelance insurance right so very grateful to them for doing that but i've now discovered that ashley ashley baxter who is the loveliest person behind with jack uh, has her own podcast where she chats about uh, the sort of issues that we might need to think about when it comes to our freelance businesses and insurance it's called unsure insure uh, so search for Unsure Insure with Ashley Baxter and um, give it a listen. Like it's, it's like short episodes, anywhere between like five and ten minutes kind of episodes. But it's just the best advice. So please do give a listen to that. Speaking of great advice, by the way, um, over in the Being Freelance community, we've just announced our next uh, live Q&A. It's not until November, 13th of November. But if you're listening to this as it goes out live, please do come join us in the Being Freelance community. There's a link at beingfreelance.com. We're going to have Pete Matthew from the Meaningful Money podcast. Uh, time to, to think about our own personal finances and our future and things like that. So yeah if you want to get on top of your own personal money situation really recommend you join us for that one you can ask questions live to pete in the facebook group uh, on friday 13th of november come join us click the link at beingfreelance.com right now though let's crack on shall we say hello to this week's guest and that is freelance pr consultant sharon davis hey sharon hey hi steve okay as ever how about we get started hearing how you got started being freelance Sure. So my journey started uh, 10 years ago, back in the middle of 2010. Um, I think I'd always known I wanted to be a freelancer, have my own thing. I don't think for me, being employed was ever going to be a long term vision. But it was by no means a smooth journey. I think I was um, in my mid 20s. I was just a bit, I wasn't, I was a bit restless. I didn't know quite know what I wanted to doing the long term but I did know that I wanted to to do something of my own at the time there was a lot of conversation about journalism and how and the future of journalism so that's my background and I decided I wanted to have a stab at making some sort of hyper local website but how I made make that make money was the thing that daunted me so um <laughs> why yeah so maybe it wasn't Whoa. so you were working as a journalist well so I, my background so I had worked as a journalist and I'd done a little bit of PR but the current job I was working in was um, an academy that helps young people from diverse backgrounds access journalism just because it's um, yeah unless you've got somebody who can give you an internship or that sort of thing it was quite hard to get into and I may have done the odd freelance thing on the side but I was really passionate about sort of you know giving voices to broader audiences so I decided to set up a um, like a I can use website for for black businesses in London, um, but I was really scared of the finance side of things, so I wasn't very good at getting advertising at all. And while I did have a buzz around the site, I kind of fell back into sort of PR and marketing freelance as a way to survive, rather than really giving it my all. And actually, to be really honest, I do feel like 
due to my insecurity at the time, maybe being quite young, having a lot of friends who were just making their way in the world. You know, they had enough money to maybe put a deposit down on a house or they could do things. And I, I found that really difficult. So I didn't really pursue that line or that sort of um, trail of, yeah, I didn't follow that really. But what I did do is I continued in PR and marketing and have done the odd bit of uh, journalism along the way too. Ah, so h- how long did that website last for? Um, maybe about a a year and a half. So I, I you know, I did it properly. I, I got an intern. I advertised for it. The intern, I mean, I don't know why he wanted to work with me, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> I look back at it, and you know, he was like, you know, um, like sort of public public school educated. Like, you know, he really had a lot going for him. But he was my intern for a good six months, and then I got a different intern. I paid them all expenses. I couldn't pay them um, even minimum wage or anything like that. But I guess in exchange, they did get some experience. I, I really gave them opportunities to go and interview this person and that person. And and I, I remember at the time, it was not long after um, Tim Campbell won The Apprentice and one of the interns got to go and interview him. So, you know, I did try and create opportunity for them. But and I tried as much as possible to create create it as a business. But I was really scared of advertising. <laughs> so, you know, slight problem there um yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um I did go on to as I say I, I sort of then thought okay I need to do something I don't want to go back into employment so freelance PR became the the thing that I sort of fell back to really so where did those first freelance PR clients come from yeah it's a good question so I was thinking about this and to be fair in those early days I was doing really really small jobs here and there so maybe I don't know like a newsletter you know it was like PR and marketing so maybe a newsletter for this person a blog entry here that I look back and it was it was so small that I don't really remember but I'd say for the first two years of freelancing so between 2010 and 2012 I, I did a mix between doing a bit of freelancing for the odd very small company for pretty much no money at all and then doing some sort of contract work where I'd be working in-house but as a contractor um, and I think it was through that that I gained my experience because I wasn't PAYE but equally it gave me enough security to really work out what I wanted to do and I think um, at the end of 2012 I went traveling and I came back in 2013 and I thought, okay, this is it. We're going for it. And I think I would say it's from then that I've never really looked back. So how did it change in 2013, the way you approached everything? I perhaps became a bit more serious. So I created a website. I put myself on different websites like People Per Hour. And funnily enough, um, although I don't, you know, I wouldn't necessarily use that website now. One of the clients I've had who I've had a really good long-standing relationship with, they Googled for a freelance contractor or, you know, consultant. They found me on People Per Hour, went onto my website and then called me through that. So it wasn't as though I was working through the site, but they just found me randomly. I was so surprised that they did. (laughs) But that turned out to be a really, really excellent gig. And I got to do some really brilliant things, arranged some great press conferences. And to this day, I have really great relationships with um, the guys that work there. So it, it sort of changed. That was around... That was the end of April, May 2013. And then later in that year, I did my first sort of serious sales push where I Googled a list of 30 different sort of agencies in London. And I thought I could maybe do some sort of associate roles or some sort of in-house or agency roles. But actually, one of the agencies asked me to do their PR. So, (laughs) uh, yeah, I was PRing for them. And I had that as a contract throughout 2014. And then I think that gave me the confidence to grow it from there. So the sales push, um, <laughs> yes. which is interesting. So, so what, how, how did that look like? It's funny actually because only that that apart from that sales push, the only other one I've done is actually um, just last month actually. So it's not something I do frequently, but um, I it was very organic. There was no sort of science behind it. I didn't read any you know HubSpot articles to learn how to do it. I just went online and I just googled PR. Um, agencies, public affair agencies, London, and also, in fact, outside of London. I made a list in Excel. I had a few columns and I just called around, sent some emails, tweaked each email so it was relevant to the right person, um, had a few interests, but nothing substantial. And actually, the one that I ended up getting, um, I called them and somebody said, OK, I'll leave your CV um, on file. We haven't got anything right now. And then the CEO called me 
and said, actually, we'd like somebody to do our PR for us. Can you come in? And I was petrified. <laughs> I was so, so scared. But actually, that's then what turned into um, into a, a, a proper gig, if you like. And also at the time, I had been slowly increasing my rate throughout the year because I'd been doing different things. And in one thing I was doing in-house at a, a London university, somebody was sat opposite me and they said that they, they had a certain day rate, which was significantly higher than mine at the time. And I just looked at them and thought, if she can do it, I can do it. And from that day onwards, I quoted my day rate as that rate. And, and that was the rate that I gave this agency that then took me on. And I was really scared that they turn around and say no. They didn't say anything. They just took it as it was. And, and yeah, that also then also elevated me to another level yet again. So going forward from that point on, you were working for them, but like that was like on a retainer of as in yeah. it wasn't like a full-time thing with them you were working with other people right yeah so it was um six days a month and then that took me into 2014 and then I started to pick up a few other things I got another contract that was actually 10 days a month but yeah all on my own sort of terms I was working from home doing all of that I'd go in for meetings say once a month with each client and then that took me yeah right through and then from then it it was very much like that and then what I decided to do because I've always been passionate about trying to help smaller voices gain access in the media so I tried um, not necessarily always successfully but to create smaller packages for really small businesses so I had these sort of much smaller clients who maybe paid for I don't know a day a month if you like and then I had the bigger clients who were paying for much more and loosely that is the model I've tried to run my business on even up until now but I've had to make some adjustments because sometimes yeah it doesn't always work that way um but I have always wanted to um make PR or the, the media conversation accessible to as many different types of people as possible nice so you continue you you make sure that you I know get enough of the higher paying jobs yes. that yeah. your business can then afford to help the others yeah exactly that and that's how back then I, I continued to run it but I look back at that and I had this package it was absolutely ridiculous where I offered to do I forget the exact figures but it was like 10 blogs a month for I don't know a couple of hundred or 20 for like three, oh, it was ridiculous or like 300 or whatever and I can see why people took it up because it was just <laughs> <laughs> too good to be true and yeah I, I don't do anything like that at all but the idea was it was supposed to be like a real sort of um we'll do some bulk blogs for you so that you have blogs for the next six months and don't have to worry about it and while that theory was good yeah I mean gosh that was that was very ridiculous so silly <laughs> um so were you mostly working from home yeah 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 I was and then uh towards the end of 2014 um I took on a small office um at that point I was living in Romford and that lasted about eight or nine months and then I came back home just because um yeah it was quite expensive really but I wanted to have a way I was living in quite a small flat and I wanted to have a way to separate my um my personal life from my business life but I think what I back then before I did that I used to use Regis I mean gosh do they even exist that sounds so historic saying that now but I used to use those um sort of their lounges uh to work um besides that anyway yeah because that's kind of like before co-working spaces kicked <laughs> yeah, off yeah 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 before it all got really cool they were the, the go-to uh sort of co-working space if you like <laughs> yeah they were kind of like the places where traveling salesmen across the country would stop <laughs> yeah. into those kind of things yeah and those were the exact sort of people I met in there I met some really wonderful people but that that profile was definitely um who you'd meet in a, a Regis business lounge <laughs> yeah yeah forgot about that <laughs> but what was that experience like you eventually decided that it wasn't worth the cost yeah, so I think for me, I think I maybe did get a bit excited, maybe sort of pushed myself beyond what I, I could do. But I think it then just got in the way of, of actually what I wanted to do. Now, the thing is, I have a real strategic mind. So for me, the entrepreneurial side of things and growing the business into a business is something I'm really passionate about. So that's what I try to do. I took on an intern to help with some of the, the clients I had and then there was a designer who was doing some creative things and I took him on as well although that was still very it was a freelance arrangement now I could you know I could have done both of those things with the intern and the freelance designer but they sort of came into the office a day a week for example and it just became too formal before it needed to be if that makes sense whereas I could have kept it quite casual for a lot longer so 
it just took me too far away from what I actually loved doing and I had to um, reel it back in really. You grew yourself a team really quite soon. Yeah um, I did and I the thing is that is I think has always been my heart. I, I feel like in terms of leadership that is what I get most passionate about and also developing the you know younger people as well. So I did do that but I think because I've, I've, I'm, I'm kind of doing something a bit similar now, which is working much better. But back then, I don't think I, I don't think I did it properly, if that makes sense. So while I had the passion and the interest, I very quickly—well, I say very quickly—maybe a year later, I had to then scale back to being freelance again. Did you have any sort of like I don't know business advice or mentorship, or um, or were you? Me- I know. I don't want to say making it up as you go along. Yeah, but, yeah, that's true. Uh, <laughs> okay, <laughs> so making it up as you go yeah. along. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, I mean, definitely the latter. I mean, there was um, because I was doing a lot of networking. There was there were a few people who were business coaches, but back then, I really I was so skeptical of business coaches. And I remember um, in the end, I gave in, and there was one lady who charged X amount of money for a sort of a compact day session and eh, it was all right but it just wasn't it didn't really make an impact on my business so from that point onwards I just thought I'm just going to go it alone now I am part of um like a my sort of PR there's like a PR professional body and part of that so I do a bit of training through that and I do do networking with like-minded people but at that time I didn't have a formal sort of mentor or business coach no I was making it up as I went along. <laughs> yeah. So how did things start to to change from there? So you decided yeah. to cut that overhead to go back home. I think the thing for me with with just freelancing, I got to the point where I thought if it's just about freelancing from home and just doing this in this the solitary way that I was doing it, I just felt like it just sort of lost its passion for me. And because for P, for me, PR is if you like, it's a means to an end. It plays a bigger picture. Like my passion is helping businesses to communicate a wider message, be that to media, their audiences, whatever, whatever. And I was starting to lose my way a bit. And so the PR in and of itself just grew a bit tiring. I was doing a lot of media relations, which is basically just calling journalists and trying to pitch stories. And just that process, just doing that repeatedly just grew a bit stale. So I actually, I did take a break from uh, PR from a bit. So now we're into 2016. I'd made it that far. And I'd say around um, May 2016, I, I decided that I was just going to take a step back from PR, not knowing whether I'd go back to it again. I mean, you know, fast forward, you know, I actually have gone back to it. <laughs> Spoiler <laughs> yeah, alert. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but I'd say, in fact, and to be fair, I mean, I, I really believe actually that being a freelancer, running your business, it's a lifestyle. And actually it, it was it was the following January, so 2017, when I went back to it and I do think there is something that just draws you to it if that is what you how you are wired if that makes sense so I had um a I don't know what was that uh, nine eight month break and that is when I moved over to the Yorkshire Dales and um that's a whole different story but that is the time in in which I I moved and then things took a whole different trajectory from there (laughs) so how intriguing so so you were in london you moved to the yorkshire dales which for people around the world is a long way removed it's beautiful part of the country (laughs) but probably about five hours uh north of london and it's beautiful rolling countryside if you've ever watched postman pat it's that kind of thing (laughs) or all creatures great and small but hang on you decided that I know, like your heart wasn't in the PR type thing or for certain work that you were doing. So what did you do? Did you go and work for somebody else? Yes, at the time, I thought that I was just going to give this a break. So I went through a period prior to uh, May 16th, so maybe just a couple of months, say between February and uh, May, where I started applying for jobs. And I was going for everything. I was going for like civil service roles. I was looking at, you know, private sector. I, I looked across the board and just I guess the makeup of my experience it just it wasn't it just didn't work and I I remember I had two interviews one where they had really good feedback but nothing else to say it was through an agency and she goes yeah they, they, they really liked you but then I never heard anything back and another one where they said that you know I was really strong but there was somebody who had the more sort of sector or industry experience so it was disheartening but not because obviously I had the skill but for one reason or another I wasn't the right makeup for an employed job so I got to the point where I got really frustrated and I said to myself um 
so I, I knew of some people who had, had moved uh, to the Dales and I said to myself if I don't get I'm gonna I'm just gonna see what happens and I might just go to the Dales just for three months you know when in my life do I not have you know any commitments and can just make a decision like this I'll try it out and see what happens I googled work in whores, <laughs> which is in the middle of Wednesday in the middle of nowhere. I was going to say we should, yeah. <laughs> we should probably emphasize that whores yeah. is a place. Yeah, it, it yeah. really is. And when we say remote, like I, I find that my friends who have since come to visit me, I say remote, but I guess if you've been brought up in London, you, you have no frame of reference for what remote really means. But whores in particular. Um, I, I don't know, like you, you you have to travel in about 17 miles in any direction to get to the next big town. So, um, you know, it is quite remote. And randomly enough, online, there was a hotel looking for um, waitresses. And I called the guy up and he said, when can you start? And I was like, oh, my gosh, no, I've got to follow through on what I said. And then funnily enough, shortly after that, I then got offered a role, um, a PR role working for, I think it was like Lambeth College. It was a college in uh, South London. Uh, and I'd be working directly with the, uh, with the CEO. Really exciting stuff. But then I just thought, you know what, let's just have a break from the norm and do something different. So I took the North, I took the Yorkshire Dales role. And um, despite feeling like it might be a summer's thing, I'm still here today. <laughs> oh, my, this is amazing. So, so instead of taking the PR job, in London doing what yeah. you've been doing since you didn't have to be there you decide to go to I don't want to say in the middle of nowhere I love the Yorkshire Dales but relatively speaking so and you were you took the waitressing job I did oh my gosh what a baptism of fire that was so there was a you know the the job in London was paid three and a half times more than the job in the Yorkshire Dales um but yeah living where I was living you know cost the cost of living for the time I was there was very low and it was really difficult I never did a, a waitress and stint at uni or when I was younger and oh my gosh it was it was really hard I really struggled for the first few weeks the hours were long I was working for 45 hour uh, yeah, 45 hour weeks. And bearing in mind, I'm used to being my own boss. And by this point, so we're talking 2016. Yeah, for six years now, I've largely been my own boss. So it really, it was really difficult. But I think as I relaxed into it, I just met people from all over the world. And actually, it became interesting for a completely different reason. It was just fascinating. And, and it was so far out of my experience. Like I went to university in Nottingham, and then lived there for three more years. So I have, I'm not the type of Londoner who's, who hasn't left the M25. But equally, this was so uh, different from my experience. And in a strange kind of way, yeah, it, it was quite, it was quite enjoyable. Yeah. I mean, that kind of move sounds like a real life. That's a lifestyle choice. You, you mentioned lifestyle of freelancing, but that's a lifestyle choice to get out of the city, to, to live yeah. in right in the middle of the countryside and to do something which wasn't anything like you'd been doing as well. So how how did that <laughs> did it move on from there to me introducing yeah. you I don't know four <laughs> years later as a PR consultant okay. I know yeah yeah um it did move on it again it wasn't um a straightforward journey but um I did that into the autumn and actually had um quite a, an interesting argument with the guy who runs it so that ended <laughs> it's fine we're friends now um and then it's winter so bearing in mind that Hawes is a uh, it's a tourist town so in the winter things like they, they really die like you know it, the contrast is just unbelievable so I actually worked in the Wensleydale uh, creamery for six weeks and that took me till the end of the year making cheese yeah so this is what yeah I mean this is so, yeah I mean you have to call it an adventure right so yes they, they would move you around <laughs> uh, they'd move you around say like to from either the cheese uh, making department or you'd be doing packaging and labeling and the contrast was massive because packaging and labeling was freezing you were pretty much in this sort of cold warehouse and it was December and then the factory itself was boiling it was really really hot so 
It was really interesting. That took me through to the end of the year. Again, met some lovely people. There's a really lovely um, Eastern European community and I made some really good friends with some of those people and also the locals as well. It was just interesting. But in the back of my mind, I am thinking, so at this point I was um, 31, 32, I was 32 and I was thinking, what am I doing with my life? <laughs> like, what am I doing? Like, you know, what have I completely committed career suicide? And then... Um, <laughs> Yeah, a whole bit of personal story that probably isn't, yeah, not not for now, but my me and my partner then, um, he moved up. He got a job here and then I decided to freelance. And then from that point onwards, things are quite normal again. <laughs> so, <laughs> honestly, this is going to make a great film, Sharon. Oh, I can't dear. tell you. <laughs> so... He moves up to join you in the Dales. You've con- <laughs> you've convinced him. You've you've hit it big in the cheese world. <laughs> yep. And then he gets a job, and I you know. you you go back into PR. So how? Like, what was while you were working at the creamery? Yeah. Were you looking for PR jobs? Like, no, how, how... no. So, so at this point, I still thought that I had I had killed my career, and thought that maybe. I was destined for a life in cheese. Who knew? But, um, <laughs> but um, and the thing is also to mention about here, and this is quite a, a serious point, is that for young people, the opportunities in areas like that, they're quite limited. So um, people either leave and go to uni or don't come back, or they come back and work in, say, a waitressing job or a factory job. There just aren't many professional roles. So in that sense, for me, the future, the future there looks bleak um but you know randomly of all the jobs that could be applied for um so tim he got um a job working for the national park and that was actually a professional grade job and that sort of set him off so then i had to think about well i can either go back or i'm going to stay like what it was it was a massive crossroads for me and incidentally at that time so we're now in January 2017 uh, two different people so you know people that i know quite well both approached me in January asking me to freelance for their companies and that sort of set me up really. So I, I think I knew that I was going to have to create my own way up there. It wasn't going to be that I was going to work for a really cool PR agency, for example. So the the companies that approached you and offered you PR work, were they local in the Dales or were they from life previous? A mixture. Were? So in fact, I knew them both from life previous, but one... Uh, I'm actually known her from university and she was now sort of loosely in the area and she had a business in um, Thirsk, which was about an hour and a bit from where I was living. So that was, it was local, but I could still do a day from home if you like. And then the other one was down South completely. So it was completely separate, but um, again, obviously I could do it remotely. So, um, and that was a, that was a pure marketing role, actually that one. Wow. <laughs> By the way, just to say, I've got nothing against waitressing or working no, in factories. Me neither. <laughs> it it's just surprising when you've been PR 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 and I know on the other side of it there's PR PR PR. So I think it's lovely actually that you kind of I don't know, this Yeah, it was actually really humbling as well because I think for me, you know, we n- none of us have anything against those sorts of roles, but we probably do have a perception of those types of roles. So then to be doing them and just even just seeing people who'd made, if you like, a career or a lifelong job out of it, and then just seeing how happy and content they were. Mm. Um, and I, that, I, I don't want to sound patronising or anything like that, but for me, coming from the background I've come from, you know, I come from um, a West African family, and you're just told that, you know, you've got to do well. So seeing that was just completely outside of my experience, but also really humbling. And I think I learned a lot, you know, not necessarily from a career point of view, but a lot of life skills that I think just add to the richness of life's wonderful experience. So in that sense, it's been a, it was a nice detour, but yeah, equally I was glad to get back into what I knew um, back in 2017. So 2017, you go back into freelance PR, you're deciding to work in the Dales, but by this point, compared to 2010 when you started out, of course, remote work had become a far more sure. yeah. prevalent prevalent (laughs) have become far more commonplace (laughs) yeah exactly and by this point you know the whole freelance boom if you like is sort of well and truly underway and it's funny because sometimes I I look back and I've always wanted to be 
a freelancer slash businesswoman. It was always part of what I wanted to do. It wasn't, you know, something I fell into. And then so to see it become a boom, if you like, I don't know, I've, I've sometimes found that a bit strange. Having said that, going back into it in 2017, I was a very different PR or freelancer to what I was back in 2010. And I would say the way I described the last four years living up north is I love the north for all the opportunities that there are. It feels like there's a bit of uncharted territory. But I love that I've also had some experience which enables me to make more of the situation as well, rather than sort of learn as I go along. Mm. So how has it been different then? Uh, how did you grow your business again, PR-wise, this time in a new place? Yeah, so round two, <laughs> um, it was a mixture, really. So I guess when I took on those two roles, I wasn't clear that, OK, this is us. We're here for the foreseeable future. And this is now my business. I would say much of 2017 was sort of taking it a step at a time and seeing what happened. Um, but then towards the end of 2017, I fell pregnant and then I decided that, I, yeah, the thought of being a, a mum just stuck in the middle of nowhere just just didn't fill me with much joy. So I decided to um, I decided to launch something called There Was Business Women just to meet like minded women, because for me, I needed to meet women who'd had some sort of similar experience to me so that I could grow through that as well. And in fact, that has now grown and that's now a business in and of itself um, and feeds in quite nicely with my PR business because I get um, you know it's it's through the women that I know in that business that I sometimes you know take on and they become clients in my PR business now and I'm now back at that point again where I've just this year taken on a couple of staff and I'm I'm glad to say it's going a lot better than it did um, back in whenever 20 something 2014 and yeah that sort of strategic vision for communications and PR and helping businesses to gain some some sort of you know wider reach is back and I'm yeah I feel like I'm doing it better than I had done before that's so interesting Dale's business women so yeah what is that like a networking thing how how would you describe that yeah I describe it as a networking um yeah it's, it's a net networking organization we when I first started we I just casually arranged a few events in the following year and in fact the first event was due to happen three weeks before I was due to have a baby. Uh, but because of, I know, gosh, but because of the beast uh, from the East, which happened um, that year, it then happened three weeks after I just had a baby. But Oh, hey, my uh, God. <laughs> I should explain. The beast from the East was like a huge snowstorm, which which came in and um, would have cut off the area. Yeah. So did you go looking for a networking event first no that's the thing I just decided that so through the work at the hotel and the creamery because one of the things I've noticed about people up in the Yorkshire Dales is while they do have they might be working for a local pub a hotel that sort of thing a lot of them they're just it's brilliant like they, they all have sort of side hustles they're all doing something on the side so the more you got to know people everyone was doing something um, on the side so initially I launched it just for people maybe in halls people that I'd met over the past year um before that but then actually it grew and and I'd say p businesses or people from Cumbria came people from North Allerton which is an hour in the opposite direction and it grew much more quickly than I could have thought and then I realized in 2018 that we had something there and that's when I sort of incorporated it as its own company. Wow how many people are involved in in this and how often do you meet you know be outside of the world of corona and <laughs> yeah so pre-corona we had 24 events lined up for this year we have uh 50 paying members but then we also have another i don't know 25 or so who just come to the events casually and actually when i was setting up dale's business women um a local counselor who had to I, I applied for some funding through a local council and a councillor had to endorse it and he said to me look if you get four people rock up to your event you're doing really well I'm not saying it to demoralize you but you need to know that people here they're hard working they're busy they've got three or four jobs you need to you know bear that in mind our first event we had um nine people and then our second event we had about 20 and the momentum has just grown from there and so to have 50 members um for me feels like I mean it may not sound like much if you're in a, a city but for around here it yeah it's it's quite decent so um yeah it's grown quite a bit in the last few years that's awesome and so it sounds like it's helped your business as well because obviously you're meeting any yeah. business could could 
could use your services, I guess. Has it helped you as a person as well? So yeah, I think I mentioned, so once I'd had my baby, I'm just not the most mumsy, mumsy mum, if you like. So mum groups just wasn't going to cut it for me in the, it just, yeah, it just wasn't really my thing. And going to one group a week was my limit. (laughs) But I have found that through the business network, I gained a whole community of friends, yeah, even even just from a sort of a friendship and an emotional point of view, I've gained a lot through it from that. Um, it pays for itself. It's not like it's, you know, I think membership networks, you know, it's not the most sort of profitable business in the world, but, you know, it does pay for itself. But yeah, the big business benefit, as I said, is, is that I do, it's almost like a feeder into the PR because I do then get people on the, the training courses that I put on. And also some people come on and, you know, do full on PR projects with me as well. Okay, something to pick up on there is that you do training courses? Yeah, I mean, oh gosh, this was going to be my year for that, but um, <laughs> that hasn't happened in a way that I thought. So um, I was going to have three or four throughout the year and we've, we've, we're going to have one maybe. But yeah, I guess um, one of the ways I decided to sort of scratch the itch for wanting to help smaller businesses to do their own PR or understand the PR process. I think the most viable way for that is through training because it doesn't always work to do it um, as a campaign or as a retainer. So that's what I do with um, those sorts of businesses. And yeah, and and I've done that one-to-one and hopefully I'm hoping that these courses, when we can eventually get them going properly, will, yeah, will be quite frequent as well. I see. So a way to help them do their own PR. Yes, yeah. So how does your business look beyond that like as in I'm just because uh, I know for example do you do a project for a certain amount of time or is it all retainers or like if if we were to to look at what it's looked like last couple of years Mm -hmm. yeah it's a real mix I think retainers are by far my biggest um sort of yeah the, the most that's my model if you like and that's how I get a lot of my work but then I do get a lot of um project work and short term work so I had last year a couple of clients who took me on as a copywriter to rewrite all the copy on their website or um, if somebody's doing a launch event they might just take me on for say three months I think with PR I am very much like the minimum project has to be three months because as I'm sure you'll understand results aren't instant and to really make sure that you're getting value for money you're doing it well I, I do like a minimum sort of three month commitment project um, but then other than that yeah it's mainly retainer and yeah, that that generally is how it's worked for me. How do you deal with the process of that? As in, like, when do people pay you? There's there's often you know we often hear like the phrase retainer, but for people who don't do it, um, and it can work in lots of different ways. To be fair, like how, how do you do retainers? Yeah. So up until this year, um, it was you pay on the first month. Uh, yeah, the first of every month ahead of that month if that makes sense and what I decided to do and this was because I had so this was back in 2018 when I had my daughter although I was doing the the networking sort of while she was quite small it was when she was six months I went back into PR properly and I thought because I'm now so busy I've got this networking group I've got a small uh, baby I decided to use go cardless you know their sort of direct debit system mm. and that is that's been that, that was really helpful because for some clients they just yeah signed up to it so that comes out on the first of every month automatically some didn't want to do that but they still got billed um for the at the first of, of the month some also didn't like that so we had to do a halfway house where they paid half up front and then paid uh, after that if that makes sense but this year we have actually um because i take i took on a an office manager slash finance um person who works across both businesses and we agreed that we would offer an upfront payment system in return for extra days and yeah we've just had a client pay upfront for their year's contract which is quite nice <laughs> so they've paid a whole year up front yeah yeah so because um yeah because of the way that their financial year is they've paid for nine months and then when the tax year comes back round, then they'll pay for the remaining three months but yeah they pay for that nine months up front which um yeah which is good progress that's cool but as a incentive they get like bonus days yes exactly so that feels like um it's yeah because also i guess where i do now have the office manager and i have a a marketing intern yeah having that cash flow is really important right now yeah so talk me through that you have an office to manage i presume 
so we all work from home. I, ah! yeah, 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 well, surprise, surprise. But yeah, even still, even without COVID, we're working from home. And I have, so we, we have like a loft bedroom slash office where we work. And before COVID, Samantha, the office manager, was working a day a week from this office and a day a week from home. But as it stands now, yeah, everyone's at home. So yeah, it's a remote team, if you like, but they're employees. And they're all local, so you can meet up. Yeah, exactly. So we, we, we'll see yeah. how it goes. And how are you getting on then with, I mean, as you said, you've got an entrepreneurial side to you. It was obvious really early on that you wanted to be more than just yourself. How did yeah. you know when it was right to bring people on and what to get them to do and things like that? Yeah, I think um, so with uh, Dale's Businesswoman, I always had a VA because I couldn't do that and do the PR and look after a little one. And it got to the point with the VA where she was really great. She was brilliant. But it was it just was a bit counterproductive so she was remote I was having to send her all these voice notes to tell her what to do and it it, it just it became a bit cumbersome if that makes sense so towards the end of last year I thought it's better just to just take on somebody who can actually take ownership of that role and I think that was it for me it was a point at which I knew that ownership needed to be taken over some of the roles I was outsourcing because the same was true of a um, I had like a marketing uh, freelancer who did the odd bit of stuff for me as well. And I think for me, it just got to the point towards the end of last year where it felt like I need people who are buying into the company and I can help them to grow and, and develop too. And that's what we did at, at the beginning of this year. So oh, yeah, so far, so good. But yeah, we'll see how it goes. 2020 isn't over yet. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who knows what's going to happen? Exactly. Um, God, it's almost like, you know, you've, you've done it all at once because obviously starting a family as well but it's oh yeah <laughs> like how how do you fit everything in was bringing people on because you couldn't do what they were doing or because you needed that that time yeah it's a really good question actually because I've often thought about this if I didn't have um a small child I may have sort of done that thing where I try to do everything myself and be all things to all men but actually having a child has been good for me because it's forced me to look at my priorities look at what I only I can do or what makes the business the business which is you know the skill that I bring and then what can I outsource to people who do it better than me anyway um, and the thing is so I'm an accountant's daughter so I my dad used to give me like receipts to do and to enter into spreadsheets so I feel maybe I'm not the typical sort of creative and I wouldn't necessarily call myself a creative because I can do that sort of spreadsheet stuff if you like too but that sometimes is a problem when you think you can do it all whereas having a child forced me to think okay it doesn't matter if I can do it what do I do best so I think I brought them on because I'm really my, my time is limited and with the time that I do have I want to make as much money as possible and there's a thing in itself as well like to make as much money as possible when you're bringing those people on you then have to really think about your pricing yes so we have restructured our pricing um i have a local price and a a non-local price because yeah like you know when you step into the dales like the culture everything changes (laughs) so yeah i just think um i think yeah based on a, a sort of i guess you could we're nearly a, a virtual agency, if you like, given that I do outsource stuff. I think that's been quite a challenge trying to get the right rates, but I have increased it from what it was last year. But I have a rate that is different for people who sail within the Dales to those who aren't. Yeah. Which is great, though, because it means that you're really, I know, supporting that local community that you moved into. Trying to, yeah, really trying my hardest to find ways to do that. Yeah. It goes it goes a long way in small communities when you invest into the community, I find. Yeah. Actually, I introduced you as a PR consultant. And I guess it would, is that because you, you know, instead of, as you mentioned when you'd had enough of it, you know, you were always hitting the phones or whatever, just trying to get media. Yeah. Like now you're more thinking about it strategically, but then hiring people to do the work I don't want to say yeah. under you, but you no, know what I mean. Like, yeah. So, so it's you're keeping the work in house. Yeah, totally. That I think for me, um, just with where I'm at in life and everything, I much, I, I really enjoy that sort of that that bigger picture, looking at the integrated comms, how it all fits together. And I think, yeah, I, I'm now in a place where I can give a younger person 
the opportunities that they so they can also you know test their skill but without having to do all that work because PR is great but it is quite labor intensive so if I can pull back and just focus on the strategy that's great at present I still promote me the as the business because that's what people are buying and that's why I still at this stage it might change even in a year's time I would still say that I am a freelancer slash PR consultant so yeah the way you explained it is is very much uh, my vision for the next few years yeah so people work with Sharon Davis well in fact we do have it is called Dale's PR and marketing but ultimately it is it is still me and I'm in the process of setting up my Sharon A Davis website which is going to focus more on me as yeah so to me as a person so look at my PR skills look at some of my journalistic stuff and other things too so I'm I'm really trying to maintain the brand Sharon Davis while growing something local for the community as well and beyond that reminds me of when we had Ross Simmons on uh earlier yes. this year yeah I listened to that yeah so he had an agency but he maintained his own personal brand of Ross Simmons bringing in the work to that agency so you have Dale's PR and marketing but you're you're deciding that actually you're going to also have a different website, which is driving home you as the expert. Yeah, yeah certainly. I think cause I was on a PR talk the other day and they talk about how when um, so that the natural progression, say, through an agency or your career means by the time you get to, say, PR director level, you're not really doing any PR anymore. And I, I don't want I think while I obviously want to grow the business, I still am the sort of, you know, it's my journalistic background and the PR sort of expertise that makes the business what it is. I don't want to ever get too far away from that. And that's why I think having brand Sharon Davis, if you like, while still having the company as well, I think that's always going to be really important. And uh, I I mean, it's been such a wonderful story, but I feel like I've not touched (laughs) upon lots of different things. So let me just quickly check a few things off. How would you feel like your work-life balance is today? I think, oh gosh, it's a work in progress. I think (laughs) on the whole, it's great. But I think in reality, it's a bit messier than great. So I've always, I always wanted to work part time so I could be with my daughter a few days a week while working a few days a week. Um, But more often than not, on the days I'm not working, I'm either working early doors before the day starts or in the evening as well. So yeah, well, it's hard. I say I'm trying to rectify that and I do for a bit and then things get busy and it changes. But on the whole, I do try and put boundaries in place so that it's not too chaotic. Now, I always do this thing where I ask for three facts about yourself to make two true, one a lie. Let me figure out the lie. What do you have for me, Sharon? Okay, so number one, I went to uh, an international conference for women um, some years ago where I was organising the press and I gave Grasa Michelle, who was Nelson Mandela's wife at the time, um, I gave her a drink. So that's my first one. (laughs) (laughs) Bit random, there we go. My second one is I delivered my daughter in a moving vehicle. And my third one is I recently, so last year, did a swim run and I came first. A what? A swim run? Yeah, so it's where you do a swim and then it's fun. So it's not quite a triathlon. It's like a triathlon where somebody's stolen your bike. Yeah, exactly. So you get to that point, you're like, oh my gosh, where's my bike? So you just cross the finish line <laughs> instead. Um, but the reason that's significant for me is while I do do a little bit of running, swimming has been a bit of a weakness for me. So to be able to do that felt like quite an achievement. So how far did you have to swim run thing? So, yeah, there were different categories. I entered the one where you did 500 metres in, uh, it's called like Lake Summerwater. It's near Hawes. And then you did a five mile run as well. Crikey. Moving vehicle birth. What was the vehicle? Was it an ambulance or a car? There's, a, there's quite a big difference in these two scenarios. <laughs> Very true. Uh, it was an ambulance. Yeah. So basically, um, or I, I don't live in Hawes anymore. I live in Richmond, which is a bit more built up. But Hawes, um, it's in the middle of nowhere. So I could either have gone to Cumbria to give birth or I could have gone to the other side. And I, I, I was going to the other side. I had to go to Middlesbrough where there are doctors because I was high risk. And it's about an hour and a half drive from Hawes and we just didn't make it. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Um, and then you gave Mandela's wife a drink at an event what was the drink 
it was <laughs> true, good question. It was a hot day and it was a bottle of water. So it was a press conference. There were loads of people there. So this was in South Africa. She was the only name that people would have known. So I felt like I had to do something so I could go back and say to people, I did this. So as she was walking past, I sort of reached out to her and gave her the water. Um, <laughs> like, like she's running a marathon, just handing out bottles of water. Yeah, and she, she, and she, and she took okay. it as well. She didn't I mean, take it. <laughs> I'll be honest with you, that Mandela one would be weird if you've made it up because you could have, I mean, it could be anything like you, you could have done anything with Mandela's wife. So just handing him a bottle of water, that feels so true. Swim run. I mean, that, I mean, I don't know. That sounds true. I mean, but very again, so does, uh, as you say, like I've, uh, I go on holiday where you live in those dales, uh, Wensleydale, Swaledale next door every year pretty much since i was a kid so i know that they're in the middle of nowhere mm-hmm. and actually i have considered the thought of ambulances and you know like when you're on holiday and you're watching your kid doing something stupid and you think <laughs> oh man we're in the middle of nowhere <sighs> so yeah, that yeah. feels pl- but one of them has to be a lie so okay i'm gonna say the giving birth in the moving vehicle even though it sounds totally plausible, I'm going to say that is the lie. No, that's true. I can't. Oh! You know, I can't swim. <laughs> oh, that's good though. The moving vehicle is true. Uh, well done. Now, if you could tell your younger self one thing about being freelance, what would that be? I would have told her to just enjoy the process a lot more and not to worry. I spent the first three years, three four years of being a freelancer, just riddled with worry and really concerned about me not doing enough for where I was at for my age and all this stuff and feeling really low on the inside and I just wish I'd enjoyed it a lot more because actually looking back I was doing some some good things and I you know I made a lot of mistakes but I was learning and it set me up for today so good to talk to you Sharon go to beingfreelance.com and there will be links through so that you can see what Sharon is up to with her various things beingfreelance.com and click on that um also while you're there check out the blog and come through and join us in the community just click on the link there's freelancers from around the world uh, waiting to chat to you in there we do Q and A's we do the awards uh we do the pub quiz we, uh, it's a good place to be Please come join us. Click community at beingfreelance.com. And of course, if you're a freelance parent like myself and Sharon Art, then come join the Doing It For The Kids podcast as well. Wherever you got this one, search for Doing It For The Kids and maybe that could be your next listen today. Uh, but for now, Sharon, thank you so much and all the best being freelance. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. 